when Carrie and I met and we got engaged, we like couldn't stay away from each other. She was down uh, four hours away and I could come up with any reason under the sun to go visit her because I wanted to be with her. And that's, that is, that is our, how our heart should be if our heart is right with the Heavenly Father. If, there, if there's not that um, feeling of, of wanting to share it and go out, then somehow we've lost a little bit of our disconnect. We've lost a little bit of our passion of our Heavenly Father's heart. And that's what we want to get healed and then go out and, and uh, share that. And so that's what we're going to be talking about a little bit more in depth today. So let's pray for a moment um, as I'm, I'm going to read our text for this morning. But let's pray and ask the Lord to soften our hearts that we would uh, make room for him for whatever he wants to speak to us. Okay, so if you'd like, you can put your hand over your heart or you can just bow your head with me and pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for your word. I truly never cease to be amazed, Lord, that you could inspire people to write this book 2,000 years ago and that I would wake up today and look at it and, and find something in it that moves me, that speaks to me, that is healing, that is hope-filled um, in the way that only you can do, Lord. So, Father, right now I ask in Jesus' name that every person who wants to receive what you have for them this morning, Lord, I ask that you would soften their heart, that you would perk up our ears, our spiritual sense, and that we would be discerning and hearing what you are speaking to us. Lord, I believe uh, your word that says, my sheep hear my voice. So every person who wants to hear from you today, Lord, I believe they will hear something from your word. And so I ask, Father, that you would do that for me and for each person here. In Jesus' name, amen. So today, our texts are going to be in Colossians, um, and you might remember we, we just uh, have been through a long series of Colossians about renewal, uh, but, there, but I felt the Lord bring me to two short little passages in chapter 3 and chapter 4, and that's going to be our text today. So let me read that, and then we'll keep going from there. So the first part is Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4, and then the second part is Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 6. So this is Colossians 3, 1 through 4. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. And then in chapter 4, verses 2 through 6. Continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Meanwhile, praying also for us that God would open to us a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in chains, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom towards those who are outside, redeeming the time. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. So the first thing, um, everybody, I made little notes, uh, so go ahead and grab your notes. If you don't have notes, you can raise your hand and our uh, ushers will get those to you. But the first uh, fill-in there, the first thing that we have to do if we want to share the Father's heart is we, have to, we must think differently. So it says to share the Father's heart, we must think differently. Colossians 3, 1 to 2 says, Since then you have been raised with Christ, Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. So the first thing that we have to do, if we are to share our heart out, if we're really going to have an impact, 
uh, on this world is we need to change our perspective. We need to change our priorities. It says right here, set your minds. Everybody say minds. And set your hearts. Everybody say hearts. On the things above. We have to set them on Christ, where Christ is. Now, this is really interesting. You know, I love Paul because he was obviously a deep thinker, and I don't think I'll ever fully understand what he says, but this is really interesting where he's pointing us to. He's, he says here that since we've been raised with Christ, so what that means is before that, Christ uh, was crucified, right? He died. Right at the end of chapter 2, right before he writes this, um, he's writing to the Colossian church. And remember, th this church here we, we, we had studied was actually near, um, had been influenced by a lot of worldly different influences. There was Greek philosophy, there was some mysticism, and then there were a lot, also a lot of uh, Jewish, Jewish religious requirements that were all like trying to invade in the church. And so Paul is writing back and saying, no, none of those things will actually help you. None of those will give you life. Those are all things from the past. He actually says in uh, verse 20, since you died with Christ to those things. So somehow, even though like if you look next door to your person next to you, they're not dead, but it says here that we died with Christ. And, and, and right at the end of the chapter, it says such regulations, these regulations of Greek, you know, Greek philosophy being stoic or whatever that would be, or the requirements of Judaism, uh, pre-Christ pre coming, these, all these human requirements have an appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship, their false humility, and their harsh treatment of the body, but they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. In other words, if you want to be a better person, if you want to be different and to live different, you cannot follow anything or invest anything here in the world because Christ died and we died with him. But then he was raised, and we were raised with Christ. That was what the first part of, of the verse we read. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. So where is Christ now? He's seated at the right hand of the Father. He's in heaven. And so he's saying all the, all the things, all the perspectives, the important things that the world has said, all those things have to be left. They have to be left behind. We have to set our sights, set our hearts, set our minds on heavenly things if we're going to be any different, if we're going to have any impact, if we're actually going to make a difference in this world and share our Heavenly Father's heart. It's not, it, it seems like an easy thing to do, but it's really not. I mean, it's actually pretty easy to get comfortable in the things of the world. It's pretty easy. I, I'll be honest. I just, I have to confess, I guess it's not a sin, but it sort of feels like it. I have a Mac computer. <laughs> How many Mackies are in here? Let me see. Okay. Where's all my PC relatives? Okay, so I did not know in the fine print when I came to work at the church, it actually said it was really, really fine. It said, you will have to learn and like Macintosh. But I didn't know that, but it was written in there. And I just got one. Um, now, to, after two and a half years here, I've, I now have a Macintosh so I can learn how to use it and help everybody else here on the staff. Well, that thing was expensive. Those Macintoshes are expensive. Do you guys know that? You can buy like three or four PCs for the same price as one Mac. But somehow they're way better, and they, they do feel pretty good. They're nice, but they're expensive. So I take really good care of Mac. I'm almost afraid to use it because I don't want to, like, ding it up or, you know, wreck it or something. So every day I have this beautiful little case. I put it in the case, and I hide it somewhere in my office so all the kids can't come and, and find it, and I take care of it. And I was thinking about this. You know, it's so easy for me to 
think about that and care about that, but it's so um, sometimes hard to remember to think about the things of, the, of, the hev- of heaven, of heavenly things, of kingdom things. Because the things that are around me and the things that are around you, that's what we see and we touch and we interact with every day. But here Paul is saying, no, you have been raised with Christ. You must set your hearts on, on the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Well, what does Christ care about? What's the most important thing to God? People. People. That's right. And so really and truly, if we're going to be setting our minds on the things above, we're going to be setting our minds on people around us. And that is sharing, that is sharing the heart of the Father with other people. I had somebody um, come and um, ask me to pray with them, and I was really moved by this, uh, by their prayer request. They said, you know, I just want my thoughts to be different. I come home from work, and I'm kind of, I feel beat up, I feel tired, and I don't want to be that way. I want to I uh, be living like what the reality that is true, that is that my Savior loves me, that God is here with me, that we have the best life in the whole world because we know where we're going and we're going to spend all eternity with heaven. I don't want to come home and be depressed and beat up and, and feel that way when really and truly that is not my life. And, and really this person was saying, hey, I need to set my mind on the things above, set my heart on the things above and be thinking different. And praise God, we prayed for that. He says that behold, he makes all things new. The old has passed. So that, that, the opportunity for that exists if we choose to set our minds on things above. The next uh, point on your outline there, it says, Christ is our life. And this all, it all fits in my head, and I'm hoping it will come out this way in yours as well. But th- this is so profound, I, I had to include this. The next verse says in Colossians 3 and 4, for, your, for you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. And I'm not talking about the end times and when Christ comes back that we'll go back with him. But right there it says, Christ, who is your life. Well, that means that if we're not with Christ, we don't have any life. If we're not thinking about him, if we're not relating with with God if we're not setting our sights on heavenly things, the things that he has for us, then we don't have life. That's why we come home at the end of the day sometimes, or maybe just me, maybe not you, and we feel a little deflated because everything we've been doing has been invested in the earth below, human things, and there's no life there. It says right there, our life is in Christ. Only with him do we have life. Our spirits have been rebirthed when we come to know him, but we have to interact with him. It's a relationship. It's not a one-time thing that we say, Jesus, I love you and believe in you, and then walk away. No, we have to be engaging with him, engaging with the Father, and that is where we get life. That is where we get our passion and our purpose uh, that he created us to have. It says, too, there at the beginning of that, your life is now hidden with Christ in God. And I read that, I'm like, okay, what's... What's the deal with that? Our life is hidden? Well, what does that mean? How, if it's hidden, how are we supposed to find it? I mean, what, it's like, what, what, is he, what is Paul doing to us here? He's like torturing us. But I think if we spend time uh, thinking about it, there, there's like these secret uh, keys that he gives us. I mean, I don't, I don't know how many times I've read this verse. I never noticed Christ who is your life. It never dawned on me until I was just studying this this last week that, oh my gosh, literally, literally Christ is my life. 
Literally, he's, if I'm not with him, I don't have life. And then here it says it's hidden with, with God. So I think sometimes we wonder um, what's going on, and we have to say, oh, that's right. I need to get back and get my perspective right, my priorities right in the Lord, and then I will be doing better. I will feel better. I will be uh, fulfilled in life and satisfied. But so this hidden part, I, I have kind of two thoughts on it, and I, I don't think this is at all like the end of it. So maybe some of you guys have some other ideas. You can let me know if you do. But there's two things that I thought of about Christ. The first thing is, as far as it being hidden, um, is that um, it's, it's hidden because we don't see it with our natural eyes. Our life is hidden with Christ because I can't look here and see if Christ is living in you or not. With my human eyes, I can't. If you look around, and, and remember, this is how, if you don't have Jesus, you normally all you see is with your eyes. I mean, that's all you can see with. When we receive Jesus, he, our spirits become alive, and so we have a spiritual part of us that also is alive and can see. But, but our life is hidden with Christ because with these eyes, you cannot see that life. You have to look for it. You have to search it out uh, in, in the spirit. The second thing is that it's private. Our, our life is hidden with Christ because it happens when, just between me and the Lord. It doesn't happen when I'm around other people. It doesn't happen when I'm talking with my wife or I'm talking with my friend or even talking with a great pastor or anybody. There's nobody that can replace our relationship with, the, with our Heavenly Father. And so our life is hidden with Him. We must spend time with Him to actually have that life, to, to experience that life. It's in the quiet moment. It's in the secret place that we get our life that, uh, that is hidden. And then between me and Him, then I hear that. What happened last week when the people came up here and prayed, it didn't matter that I was there and Pastor Dell was there. What was happening was that uh, uh, God in heaven was communicating, was uh, relating with people's hearts. And you can see it because people were moved. There, there were tears and they were being healed and restored. That's that hidden life that we have with Christ. But we have to spend time there to have that life to then be able to give it out. And we're going to look at that a little bit more in this, this second part here. So let's, let's do that now. Um, the second uh, part, we're going to skip now to chapter 4. So in the rest of chapter 3, he talks about order in the home and other um, things like that. He's talking about what, it, you know, what life looks like uh, when, when we're raised with Christ. And then in the beginning of chapter 4, in the New King James, it, it calls this, um, this little few verses Christian graces. And I put that there in your notes. Christian graces. These, these are the things that... Um, should be evident that should be part of our life with Christ. And, and specifically, I believe that this fits with how we are to uh, be sharing the Father's heart with other people, how we actually take what we have, what we just talked about that God's done in our heart, and be living it out, because it has to be ongoing, it has to be fresh. So let's look at, at these verses here. So the first thing in Colossians 4, 2 and 3, it says, "...continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving." Meanwhile, praying also for us that God would open to us a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ. So there's kind of a couple parts there. First, he says, uh, continue earnestly in prayer. And that's kind of what I was just talking about. If we're going to find that hidden life, if we're going to be alive, we have to be looking at Christ. We have to see where he is. We have to be spending time talking to him. And, and real prayer, earnest prayer to me, is prayer that is real. It means that sometimes you're happy. You tell God about it. I mean, I'll just talk about me and my wife. I, I don't filter my conversations with my wife. 
I mean, I do a little bit sometimes. And I, maybe I should do a little more, but that's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> Whatever I'm feeling or whatever I'm thinking, I share with her. If I'm having a good day, I say, hey, honey, this, this happened, and I'm so excited because of this. If I'm having a rough day or something bad happened, I say, oh, man, this happened. I'm really bummed about this. Or if uh, we're thinking about something about our kids, whatever's in my heart, I, sh- I talk to her about. Well, that is real relationship. That is earn- that is, that's how I would describe earnest conversation, real conversation. And we have to have the same thing with our Heavenly Father. He wants to hear everything. He's not religious. <laughs> he doesn't only want to hear the good things that are going on or your best thoughts or your best ideas or when you're having a good day. He wants to hear everything. He wants to hear the rough days, the good days. He wants to hear the dreams and the hopes that are realized and that are not. The real dreams that are deep within us, he puts in us. He puts those there. But they may not work out in the time or the way or the fashion that you think that they will. But nonetheless, he wants to interact with us with those things. The second thing it says here is be vigilant with thanksgiving. It is so easy to get negative and to be overwhelmed by what's happening around us. It just is. Because you know what? This world is dying and going to hell. Now, you guys all knew that, right? Yeah, we all know that, but we forget it. (laughs) And so we're like, why am I depressed when I come home today being in the world? Well, because it's dying and going to hell. It needs Jesus. But part of what breaks that that, uh, thinking pattern and snaps us out of that is thanking God. Because it does a couple things. Number one, it changes our perspective. It's like, oh yeah, that's right. Everything is not horrible in my life. God has given me this. God has done that. It was a beautiful day yesterday. Just gorgeous. He just gave us that as a gift. Um, And it also reminds us that he's in charge, that he's the one who's ordaining what's happening, that he's fulfilling our days, that he is our hope and our joy. It's not these things around here. It's setting our minds on the things above, setting our minds on Christ. So so he says, be vigilant, not just think about it every once in a while. I, I need to work on this. Vigilant, that's like all the time. Be vigilant in thanksgiving. And the last it says, and I think this is really interesting too. Meanwhile, praying also for us that God would open to us a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ. Okay, remember, this is Paul writing this. He's got like the biggest heart for the lost of anybody that I can think of at the moment in the whole Bible. I mean, his mission was to go out to all the world, everybody that was a Gentile, and preach the gospel. He had to have a huge, huge heart to do that. He was beaten, drowned, tortured, I mean, all kinds of stuff, but he had a heart for the lost. But yet, what does he say here? He asked for them to pray for him. Pray for me that I would have an open door, that I'd be able to speak the mystery of Christ. So somehow, there's a, a way that we have to partner with God, that he wants us to be involved with him, to ask, Lord, give me opportunities to talk to the lost. Give, open up doors for me to be able to share this great thing that you've given me outside. And I think part of it, I mean, I think part of it is just getting our hearts in the right place. It reminds us, oh, that's right. I'm praying for the lost because, Lord, you care about the lost. Remember, if we're going to set our hearts and minds on Christ and the things above, we're really, we, we've got to be open to what he's doing in people because that's who he cares about the most. That's why this Church in the Park event is important, because there's some people who will come to this that won't come here inside these four walls. As a matter of fact, there's a lot of people. Look, we have empty seats in here. It's a huge city. There's tens of thousands of people, but they won't come in here. But maybe they'll come to to a park if you invite them to, to come to a park. So we have to be asking the Lord, Lord, what are you doing? And I'm not saying you have to just do every single little thing. It's not about rules and laws and regulations. It's about ca- capturing his heart and then walking it out and living it out and sharing it with those around us. 
We, nobody is anywhere by accident. Look next door to someone and say, there's no accidents. The family you have, the neighbors you have, the place that you work, the, pla- the people that you go to school with, none of those things are an accident. We have to ask the Lord, Lord, why did you put me near that super grouchy, annoying neighbor that wakes me up at 6 in the morning every day? Why did you do that? Not, not just say, Lord, I hate that guy. Well, actually, probably wouldn't say Lord, just say, I hate that guy and be annoyed that I'm, you're awake. Ask the Lord, because that's where our life is. Even, it doesn't say it's going to be easy to find all the time, but if we do that, we get life. We, get, we, we, will, we will be excited. We will be impassioned. We will be living for something bigger than just ourselves. This is my f- next point is my favorite of this whole scripture. B, redeem the time. Colossians 4, 5 says, walk in wisdom towards those who are outside, redeeming the time. So this applies, remember he's writing to a church, so Paul's writing to a church, just like I'm talking to the church today, and he's saying, who are outside? So, so th- this can apply this to people outside. And it says, redeeming the time. The word for time here is kairos. Everybody say kairos. kairos. Good. Um, I had to look that up, and that's how it is. But I hope it sticks with you. So say kairos. kairos. One more time. Kairos. kairos. Okay, good. Now, what, the reason I'm having you say that is listen to this. The definition of this in the Greek is an opportune time a set or appointed time, a proper time for action. It's, it's contrasted with chronos, which is what we mostly think of when we think of, of time, which is like a measured event when you, you, know, you measure time you know, by seconds or minutes or whatever. This here is a preset event. It's an appointed moment that's waiting to happen. And, and so the verse says, redeem the time. In other words, God will put and does put in every single one of our lives opportunities for us to redeem them, for us to speak in, for us to share the Father's heart, to share what what's God has done inside us with somebody else. He wouldn't tell us to do this if he didn't give us these times. It says, walk in wisdom. Well, how are we supposed to know when those times are happening? Right? Because it says, walk in wisdom towards those who are outside redeeming the time. How do we know when we're going to have, I I call them divine opportunities. Uh, How do we know when we're going to have a divine opportunity? It could be something as simple as just noticing that somebody is having a hard day and walking over and giving them a hug. It could be something where someone's heart, where the Holy Spirit has been working in their heart and stirring them and stirring them, and then you just happen, happen to be there um, and, you, and you get to share the Lord or pray for them or whatever it be. It could, it could be anything. So don't, don't limit yourself in your mind that it's only you're going to share the gospel with somebody. It, it's simply sharing the Father's heart. And his heart is that he loves them. So it's simply to love somebody. But to, to know when to do it, we have to pray. It says walk in wisdom. Well, how do we get wisdom? We ask the Lord for wisdom. James 1.5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault. If we ask God for wisdom, he will give us wisdom. We simply have to believe it will happen. It says he gives to all, and he doesn't judge us. He doesn't say, well, Chris, you haven't been so good today, so I remember what you said when you didn't filter that to your wife, and now I'm not going to give you wisdom. He doesn't do that. If I come to him humbly and say, Lord, give me wisdom, he gives me wisdom every single time. So we ask him, Lord Jesus... Give me wisdom to have eyes to see, not human eyes, but spiritual eyes for those divine opportunities that you're giving us. 
And then we will see them, and then we can act out and live out who we are meant to be and partner with God, which is amazing. I mean, it's incredible that he uses us. I mean, if I was going to design a planet with people, I would not be trusting the people that are like us to be sharing the gospel. But God does. He believes in us. He has faith in us, and he, he is a mighty, mighty power within us. He uses us. So look to somebody next to them and say, he uses you. Good. All right, last, last part of this point here. Um, salty speech. So everybody say salty speech. I don't know why I'm making everybody say so many things, but that's okay. This is just kind of, it just sounds funny to me. Salty speech, it's letter C on your notes there. Colossians 4, 5 says, Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. So first, he's saying, be careful what you say. Words are important. Let your speech always be with grace. The world says, what about words? Sticks and stones may break my bones, but... Yeah, they try to, they, the, tries to downplay words. We try to say, that oh, doesn't really matter. But no, in truth, really, words do matter. Psalm, or Proverbs 15.4 says, The soothing tongue is a tree of life, but a perverse tongue crushes the spirit. Ask the Lord to help us to not let out too quick words that maybe aren't supposed to come out. But then there's much more here in this little uh, verse. Um, he says, seasoned with salt. Well, what's the point of salt? It's to give flavor to something, right? To make it you know, taste better. Well, if, how do we get... So he said our, our speech should be seasoned with salt. How does that happen? How do we get flavor? If we're supposed to be flavor, how do we get flavor? Yeah, by reading his word, by praying. We talked about relating with him. Um, we also um, get uh, seasoned flavor by being with other, other brothers and sisters in Christ. The last part of this verse says, so that you may know how you ought to answer each one. Well, we will have an answer for questions that come when we're reading his word, when we're spending time with prayer with him, and when we're interacting with others around us and talking to them about what's happened in our life. Um, you know, I, I can't tell you how many times I've been in, in small group settings where uh, people's prayer requests will change my heart. Well, I get moved by them. Sometimes when we're talking, one person, you know, maybe has something difficult that's going on or a, a situation that's, that are, that's hard for them, and somebody else speaks into their life. That's us sharpening one another, encouraging one another. That's why it's so important that we have all three of these things uh, happen in our life to keep us focused on him, to be reading the word, to be praying and relating with him, and to be relating with our brothers and sisters. And when we do that, we will know how we ought to answer each one. These are the things that we do to prepare ourselves to uh, be bringing the kingdom of God here on earth as it is in heaven. So, um, Melissa, if you can um, come on up right now. Um, we're going to sing a song in a second. So in conclusion, we're sharing the Father's hearts by first acknowledging him. We, we have to look to him where he is, seated with Christ, be asking what his perspectives are, what he is sending us to do, to literally have our life. So I believe that there's, there are some people here this morning who maybe perhaps you haven't been feeling that life, that passion, that the twinkle in your eye maybe has been turned down a little bit and is a little bit dull. And when we, we're going we're gonna to sing this song, and it's a, a, a beautiful song, but I want to pray for you that if maybe in, in your heart and in your life, think the, the world thinks you've been spending too much time looking 
uh, sideways instead of upways, and your hearts are maybe a little bit heavy or a little bit not missing some life, I want to pray that God will infuse some of his life into you. That, that he, and I'm even going to pray specifically this way, that he will give you something to, to do, some way that he's going to set your mind on him, that you can partner with him in loving people. Because that's what he cares about. When we do that, when we give of ourselves selflessly, that's when we get back our life. And then after that, we're going to um, pray uh, together. So could you do me a favor and close your eyes? And I would just like to pray for anybody who maybe feels like their heart needs a little bit more life in it. And what I'd like you to do is just lift your hands up to heaven, and I'm going to pray for us as we sing this next song. So if, if that's you, then raise your hands. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you love us so much. Lord, I thank you that there, there's never a time where you go, oh, that's, that's the last time, oh, that's the 10th time he's screwed up and I don't even want to talk to him anymore. God, your, your word says that your hand is always extended. You stand at the door and knock and you wait for us to come and invite you in and to sup with you, to talk with you, to relate with you, God. Lord, forgive us because the truth is that that we too often focus on the things going on around us and we, we, we get caught up with it, Lord, with all the just entertainment, with other people's issues, with who's doing what. Lord, sometimes we just forget to put our eyes on you. But Lord, right now, Father, we lift our eyes to you. We agree, Father, with your word that says you are our life. And so God, come and give us a fresh start this morning. Wash us, Lord, bathe us head to toe. That we, that we might receive your life, God, that we might walk out of here and actually have something to give somebody else, that we might actually have vision to see those moments, those divine opportunities, Lord, where you want us to partner with you, Lord, in redeeming the time. Thank you, God, for your incredible heart of love. Work in us now, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All this pain I wonder if I'll ever find my way. I wonder if my life could really change at all. All this earth could most of this life be found. Sorry. Could a garden come up from this ground at all? You make beautiful things. You make beautiful things out of the dust. You make beautiful things. You make beautiful things out of us. All around, hope is springing up from this old ground. 
out of chaos life is being formed in you you may you make beautiful things you make beautiful things out of dust you make beautiful things you make beautiful things out of us you right now you make he's making you new new you are making 
more time. You make me new. You make me new. You are making me new. That you make everything new, Lord. Right here, this moment is new. You've made us new, Lord. You've washed us. You've given us a reminder to set our focus on you, Father, that you are our life. Sorry, Lord, we look forward to other places sometimes, but God, now we focus on you. Lord, I pray, I ask that you would seal this moment in our hearts now, God, that what you have established, the work that you have done, that it would be secret, that it would be hidden with you, Lord. And Father God, I pray that you would remind us tomorrow and on Wednesday and in two weeks when we are looking around and we get, have a rough time, that you would remind us, oh, wait, that's right. I have to look up above. I have to set my eyes on you. Thank you, Father, for just being such a loving God. Help us to share that with other people. In Jesus' name, amen. So now we're going to take a minute and pray together. And I'd like you to do two things. You can put that up on the screen, Shane. The first is I'd like you to, everybody... So we're going to get in small groups in just a second of like three, four people. Everybody just has to say one thing that they're thankful for. We're going to be vigilant right now. We're going to start right away. It can be small. It can be big. It doesn't matter as long as it's real to you. And then second, I'd like you guys to share what's one thing maybe God spoke to you about today. Maybe it's, it's something about um, praying, that you need to pray more. Maybe, maybe you need to be praying that God would give you a heart for the lost like Paul had. Maybe it's for no, that you don't want to miss any more divine opportunities. You want to redeem the time. You want to redeem the moments that God gave you and said, I'd like to pray that I'm extra sensitive to the Holy Spirit, that I will redeem the times, the chances that he gives me to partner with him and sharing his heart. Or maybe it's in salty speech. Maybe um, you need to be more disciplined in your speech. I mean, that's, it's easy to, to uh, not be disciplined that way. So if that's something the Lord has spoken to, then share that. So go ahead and get groups of three and four. Thank the Lord for something, and then just share one thing that the Lord has uh, put in your heart today, and then um, one or two of you can pray over that. <laughs> 